Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Two weeks ago, the federal court determined the Trudeau government's invoking of the Emergencies Act violated Canadians' protections under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We talked about that on the air. And then questions were asked. I started receiving emails about the so-called Coots 4. Four men who've remained held in pretrial custody and without option and opportunity for bail since the 13th-14th of February of 2022, so almost two years. They were arrested and charged at the Coots, Alberta, U.S. border crossing as truckers and farmers. You'll remember this well. And we spoke with the mayor of Coots on this program on a number of occasions as the truckers and the farmers blocked the border while protesting federal COVID-19 mandates. Now, the four men face very serious charges, one in particular conspiracy to commit murder. And the news reports have been that they were conspiring to kill police officers. This will all go to court. Possession of a weapon for dangerous purpose and mischief over $5,000. Now, as far as the court is concerned, there are lawyers who've questioned whether the men's constitutional rights to engage in what's called a fulsome defense of the charges against them have been violated. There is a prescribed period of time between charges being laid and going to court, and that has to be met. Otherwise, and this has happened in this country, and people charged with murder, manslaughter, second-degree murder, have been released because they were not tried in a prescribed period of time. The four men had been scheduled to stand trial last June. Now, there's a publication ban in place on the goings-on in court concerning the Coots Four, and we're going to be talking about that with Professor Doug King, criminal law professor at Mount Royal University in Calgary, before the end of the hour. But we'll begin with the mom, the mother of one of the four men. We're joined by Betty Carbert in Alberta. She's the mother of Chris Carbert. And uh, we'll talk to Mrs. Carbert about her mother's experience as her son remains imprisoned for almost two years without bail or trial. Mrs. Carbert, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. So let me just talk to you about the mother's perspective of, uh, of, of what's happening with your son. What are you free to speak about and feel comfortable speaking about concerning your son, Chris, and his situation? Well, because of the publication bans, I, I can't really talk about what happens in the courtroom, but I can um, discuss the impact that it's had on his life and uh, um, well, my life, all of his family's life and, and his children. So, so tell us, please, first, what, what's the impact been on, on your life? Well, it's, it's been a lot. Um, with everybody likes to say I'm mom, so I might, might be a little biased, but because I'm mom, I also feel that I know him best. And when you know that your child's being accused of such a crime and you know that, that, uh, no, that isn't something he would do. It's, it's really, really discouraging to know that, uh, 
the justice system is so unjust. So it's been really hard because um, I haven't been able to actually, uh, I can talk to him any any time he phones me and that, but we haven't had any um, physical contact, I guess, hugs or anything since he's been in there. He hasn't, uh, same for his children, he hasn't been able to have any contact with them. And then as a parent, too, just trying to get get through um, doing everything we can to to help him. Uh, well, like we had to shut down his business farm and move things and do all of that. It's just been, um, yeah, it's been very difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, and your son's family, uh, you told me off off the air that he's a dad, single dad, and uh, how how I mean, I I don't want to pry too much here, but how are the kids? The the, the kids are good. They're they are with their mother now. Um, he actually was only the single dad to his son. The, uh, the the daughter lived with the mom, so now both kids are there. Um, the son wants to come back. This is um, home where where his dad lived. That's home, and he wants to be back where where he feels he belongs. And yeah, it's being it's very difficult to, for for all of us actually. Has, has anybody talked to you um, about this situation in either the political arena, maybe uh, a premier or a member of the legislature or someone yeah. in, the, in, in the legal end of things, in the justice uh, mm-hmm. department, anybody? Um, not really. I actually ran into Danielle Smith at a McDonald's. And so I thought I took the opportunity to go talk to her, but she she said no, I, uh, she couldn't comment on anything, and that I should phone her uh, minister of justice, uh, Amory Mickey, and I'll contact him, and which I did, but with no results at all. I never even got a call back, or I sent emails or an email back. But um, recently, though, uh, Max Bernier has indicated he may hold an Alberta press conference. And he says he wants to end the travesty of injustice that is happening to the four men. So that, to date, that's the only one that's actually reached out. Every other politician or anybody we've tried to contact, I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of letters and emails. Um, nobody has reached out. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Bernier is the leader of the People's Party of Canada. And uh, for, for anybody who may not be aware of that, and uh, he's run in a couple of elections, hasn't elected anybody yet, but he remains in the, in the political sphere. When I spoke with the mayor of Coots several times during the uh, most difficult times, the mayor told me that this the situation there had actually driven a wedge between people in the community who'd been very close, They've been a very close community, is is there is, is the community back healed and uh, and people are close again, or is, is there now a, a permanent wedge between people in town? Well, I think there will always be somewhat of somewhat of a wedge. Um, of course, with the convoy, whoever it really affected more, of course, they were more against it. 
but those who who took the time to understand why it was being done, um, they're being very understanding. And as as a matter of fact, many people, uh, hence after hearing more information, have are totally on side with what happened. And um, yeah, but I imagine right in Coots itself, I can't speak for Coots. Um, there could be problems, but mostly I know people that were there were very supportive. Well, let's talk about the uh, situation they face. With uh, Doug King, he's a criminal law professor at Mount Royal University in Calgary. Professor King, good to have you back on the program. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. So we have these four men who are just days away from being uh, held in pretrial custody for two years, no option at bail, and the trial was supposed to be held last summer, and it's been delayed. Could I just give ask you to please give us your assessment of uh, why no bail, why the publication ban, and why the trial delay? Sure. I think to begin with the bail question, um, Canadian Charter and Rights and Freedoms in uh, Section 11, I believe, B, um, articulates that everyone is entitled to what's referred to as reasonable bail. Now, um, that uh, uh, charter right is limited in the Criminal Code of Canada related to, or referred to, referred to them as 469 offenses. In Section 469 of the Criminal Code, it lays out very serious criminal offenses, and that it accompanied to that, it means that the accused then at time of bail, a bail hearing, it's up to the accused to argue why they should get bail as opposed to the other alternative where the uh, Crown has to argue why they have to stay um, in, uh, without bail. So um, the reason that these individuals are not, are not allowed bail is that they're Defense counsel was not able to argue to the satisfaction of the judge why they should get bail, and so that's why they're they're uh, uh, with bail. Now they can still go to go to court and, and try and re-argue why they should get bail. So um, they're still and, and, and Professor, I'm I'm not lobbying on their behalf. No, I'm just interested in the story, and that's fairly recent. Tell me if this is right or not. It's a fairly recent change to the bail provisions that the individual who is seeking bail has to prove to the court, to the court's satisfaction, that bail is deserved? Not particularly recent. There is uh, Section 469 offenses have been in the code for quite a while. So um, it, it's not, a, um, uh, not something brand new to um, the code okay. that relates to that. Okay. So when it comes to trial delays and the publication bans, I understand trial delays are sometimes actually brought forward by the defense counsel, or they're, they're the cause for trial delays. But publication bans are confusing to people. Yeah. You know, I think, the, the, the first of all, the trial delay, um, the Supreme Court of Canada has ruled that an uh, indictable offense, which uh, conspiracy to commit murder is, um, under normal, reasonable circumstances, the trial has to be held and the decision in the trial has to be made within 30 months of the original charge. Okay. Um, so the 30 months. Now, if it is a, a, a delay caused by the uh, defense, that is not counted towards the 30 months. So 
Um, we're still, you know, you know, there's a year left, but you know, it frankly is getting close. And so we'll just have to see how it all kind of plays out in terms of the publication ban. Um, that will again have to do with the evidence that the crown has that it wants to advance within, uh, within uh, a public environment. And potentially some of this information and some of this evidence is confidential and quite restrictive. It could, um, you know, point to other people who are involved who are providing information and then become witnesses and all of those kinds of things. I also suspect it was a coup situation. There was uh, intelligence gathering, and I think that may be what's leading to the uh, publication ban. Okay. Several emails that I received were asking about the Emergencies Act, the federal court decision about the Emergencies Act, invoking the Emergencies Act, being a violation of charter rights on each and every Canadian. Mm -hmm. And they wondered whether that might impact the criminal charges. In my sense, is that that's not the case. Yeah, no, the, uh, the, the timing here is, is pretty important. The resolution of the Coots uh, uh, situation by the RCMP was actually uh, took place before the federal government enacted the Emergencies Act, so the two aren't actually connected. Um, so, yeah, it, there's no there's no um, there's no link to that um, decision by the federal court related to the Emergencies Act. So, so while we're talking, I'd like to ask you about another case. This week, in Ontario Superior Court overturned an earlier court acquittal on a mischief charge against Alan Remley. Mr. Remley had been a Freedom Convoy protester in Ottawa. And Mr. Remley had been accused by police of operating what was called a, quote, mobile gas station, end quote. He had a children's wagon filled with jerry cans, and he'd also parked his truck illegally. So he'd been acquitted, but the Ontario Superior Court overturned the acquittal. Surprised at that? A, a bit. It's very rare that uh, a court of appeal will uh, enter a, an, a conviction and reversing an acquittal. Normally what they do is that they will opine about why the lower court decision is wrong, and then they will order a retrial. Um, by entering in a conviction as opposed to an acquittal, upholding the acquittal, that uh, is uh, uh, grounds for an appeal by the, up to the Ontario Court of Appeal. So I would expect that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, we have about a minute. Is it, what, what's, what surprised you about this particular situation as it evolves and goes forward. The Emergencies Act, the situation at Coots, and the, the overall situation in uh, 2022. Yeah, you know, I think overall, the thing that kind of uh, took me by a bit of surprise was the federal court decision about the Emergencies Act. Um, I've read it. It's about 150 pages long. And uh, the, the the justice who was writing the decision was seeming to want to walk a very fine line, didn't want to say you know, definitively one way or another whether or not, you know, this was, you know, um, kind of outside the law and things like that. I found the decision to be quite narrow in terms of legal definitions of emergencies and things like that. Okay. So I'm not surprised the federal government's going to appeal. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. 
And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.